to Ohanka. My name is Maggie, and today we'll be speaking with Lori. Welcome, Lori. Oh, thank you. This is so exciting. <laughs> Great. I'm glad you feel like that. So, what kind of art do you do, Lori? I do actually several kinds of art. I have been making beaded jewelry with beads from all over the world for the past 12 and a half years. And I also paint like um, sceneries. I used to paint copies of impressionist art um, paintings from the French masters. And I sew, so I've been sewing like face masks. Um, and I recently uh, co-authored a book as the editor. So I write also. <laughs> awesome. And how did you get involved with all of that? But as I always say to all of the Ohanga creatives, take us back as far as possible. Okay, so when I was a little kid, the magic happened my, when my mother took a piece of fabric when I was probably about five years old and folded it in half and cut it and cut a hole in it. And it became a dress for a Barbie doll. <laughs> I was just in love with design at that point. And um, so as a child, I loved to draw pictures and I started sewing my own clothes and I didn't really get good guidance on how to choose a career. So I thought you should do what you're good at as far as, you know, I was good at math and science. So I actually, um, went into biomedical engineering at Johns Hopkins University wow. and I didn't like that. I was fascinated by psychology. So I, I started studying that and art history, of course. Um, and I wasn't thinking this is for me. I thought I should pursue my art because I want to be a wedding gown designer. So I applied to RISD. I got in and I started there in the summer of my junior, after my junior year of college. Wow. I so you transferred, wow. I did, and I did not like it. <laughs> and oh, no. I decided that I wanted to go back to Johns Hopkins and finish my bachelor's in psychology and art history and do my art as a side thing. So I did take a course in apparel design and I sometimes design, I like to design evening dresses for myself and my family and things like that. Um, and along the way, um, I started uh, making jewelry. And the great thing about that is you can finish an item in like half an hour. And there's so much joy in like creating something and see, saying like, look, I made this. It's just like so fulfilling. And it's much faster than making an entire dress. <laughs> of course. So, then so did like, you go back to Johns Hopkins? I did. I went back. I got wow. my bachelor's and um, my bachelor's degree in art history and psychology. And then I ended up going to graduate school. I'm a school psychologist right now. And I can say I do use some of my artistic eye in designing like cute posters to help kids Aww. and like, visual items. So yeah, I do get to use that there. So you went to grad school, you said? Yes, I went to uh, grad school at URI in school psychology, got a master's, and I've been working for the past like 25 years as a school psychologist. But on the weekends and in the summers, I um, work at art festivals and um, farmers markets and craft shows selling the jewelry that I make. That's awesome. So when did you transition from just doing jewelry on the side, like you said, um, like when you decided to go to back to Johns Hopkins and actually, you know, participating at fairs and trying to monetize it as a business. I've been doing fairs for only 12 and a half years. 
So I started doing that actually when I got a divorce and my son would go see dad for the weekend. I had all this free time. So I start when that started happening, I started sewing um, blankets for the children at Hasbro. Um, it's called Project Linus, but you sew blankets. So I did lots of that. And then um, someone took me to a jewelry the jewelry store in Tiverton, which isn't there anymore, where you can like do a class. And I learned how to like string beads and do the crimps and like you hide these things. It was like the magic of making a necklace. Yeah. And then I was just hooked and I would go keep going back just for fun. And then I realized, wow, I have a lot of stuff. And there was a craft fair coming up at a church. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll try this. And that's when it all started that people actually loved my stuff. And I've been, um, doing it ever since. People often say to me at a craft fair, I have the most beautiful jewelry at the show. Wow. And just like everything is fun about it. Shopping for the beads, designing the stuff, selling it, getting compliments. I love it when someone says, I'm buying this for like my cousin for Christmas, but then in, in two weeks, they're wearing it on their wrist. <laughs> That's so great. Now, so I know you mentioned that using like jewels and stones from all over the world, but is there any particular theme in terms of design that seems to maybe that you seem to revert to more than others perhaps? Yes. So um, beauty is found in nature. And um, I, I, there's a quote by Michelangelo that's actually on the sign that I take to my craft shows. It says the true work of art is but a shadow of the divine perfection. So wow. while I'm inspired to create beauty and bring beauty into the world to help people feel pretty when they wear it, um, my inspiration comes from um, nature and like flowers. Like if you look at the structure of a flower, I use that concept in creating jewelry like for example making an earring where you might have like a round ball that's like you know the top of the tulip and then a supporting piece of um, metal underneath it to kind of hold it in place and give it strength and beauty so I look at patterns in nature my uh, jewelry has patterns in it and um, I, I enjoy using natural stone that's probably my like semi-precious stones that are harvested all over the world um and that's very exciting to to use those because they're of course they have natural beauty to them yeah absolutely and what are some obstacles you have faced in pursuit of this business well craft fears are um a lot of work and if it's windy out the display blows over it was really sad like one time a big wind blew over and like broke three of my oh my goodness necklaces but the good thing about beads is you can take it apart and use the ones that <laughs> didn't break so I would like restring it but like the pendant part broke because of the wind mm. um so the weather the wind and the rain can make stress uh, craft fairs very stressful okay yeah and do you also sell your work online as well no um just in person in person and it's in two stores right now Okay, gotcha. And is there a particular reason why you've decided to keep it to just an, an, an in-person interaction? Because it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, selling it online, you, when you have to take the time to describe everything and um, package and ship, uh, it kind of takes the fun out of it. And it's so much fun to kind of sell it in person and explain it and all that. So. Yeah. 
And I'm balancing, I mean, I have a full-time job as a school psychologist. So um, people say, oh, this must be your therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, when you string beads, it uses your whole brain. So no matter what kind of day you had, you just like forget about any kind of negative emotions as you string beads. Wow. So, so yeah. my next question would be, how do you deal with the stereotype of the struggling artist? But since you do have a full-time job, I guess the more appropriate question would be, how do you balance the two? Um, well, I feel blessed to have this opportunity to make jewelry whenever I want. Um, and what I do is, what I've learned to do is make more of what they like. So um, you have to have balance. Like I may have um, pieces that are focal pieces or um, show-stopping pieces that are, you know, gorgeous to look at and all, but people may want something simpler or something less expensive. So you have to cater to the um, interest of the crowd and make and notice uh, what is my most popular item and make more of that. And so and you need a compromise between while I love creating new things and most of what I make is one of a kind. So okay. this is my um, hunger for creativity and self-expression. But I notice I have certain items that are favorites and I want to make those available. So I don't want to feel like I'm a factory or a machine making many of the same thing. But I don't mind making many of the same thing when it's a favorite item and people are going to love it. So I guess that's where I find my balance. Okay, awesome. Now tell me about your workspace. Where do you make your jewelry? It used to be the dining room. And okay. I feel a little bit bad because I inherited my grandmother's dining room set and hutch. Wow. <laughs> and the table is up against the wall and it's been there for many, many years. And the hutch houses some of my materials. So yes, it's just like layers of like, you start something and you're like, ooh, and I could do this. So then layer upon layer of creative process you can walk into the room, <laughs> but um, I probably uh, put everything away like once or twice a year because <laughs> as you start going, you can go off on so many directions. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it looks like a disaster, but it all makes sense to me. <laughs> I'm sure there's an order to the madness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, what is the ultimate goal for your art and your art business? Um, my goal is to bring beauty into the world and what I make, I want it to be accessible for everybody. So I, um, I'm, I find joy. It's not about the money. It's about the joy um, in um, bringing this into the world. And one of my mottos is world peace through jewelry, that when you wear jewelry from another culture, you're respecting that culture. So it's really an honor to, um, get beads that are imported from all over the world and make them available. And even to learn about different cultures, like the processes through which things are made and just how primitive some of the beads are from certain countries. So that's really exciting. And it's always so fun to like add on another country. I probably dealt at this point with beads from about 40 different countries. Wow. So yeah, that's really fun. I'm sure, yeah. So what are some of the countries that you get your beads from and your gems and your stones? 
I'm most proud of the um, ones I get from Africa. So lots of the natural stones come from Africa, but lots of the natural stones come from all over the world. But then they're sent to Africa and the company that cuts them is there. So I buy from um, African people gems that come from many, many different countries. And that's okay. pretty exciting. And my other favorite is the Philippines. So there's a company um, in the United States that they own a little company in the Philippines and the island was actually devastated by the tsunami oh. when the tsunami hit and they make the most beautiful, it's um, mother of pearl that is, um, it's like decoupaged on top. It's a very, very delicate process. And at the time that this was made, the artists that made these beads were actually living in tents. Wow. So it's rather stunning that something so gorgeous um, was, you know, still coming out of a place that was overcoming a great obstacle and destruction. Yeah. And I mean, I imagine there must be a sort of satisfaction in knowing that you're contributing to the livelihood of someone who's in a difficult situation at the moment by purchasing their products. Oh, yes, definitely. And that reminds me of the, um, the beads from Uganda, like beads of hope, um, the beads, they're paper beads rolled by the women in Rwanda and another country and that's how they live so I will buy those and they sell them in long simple necklaces like all the same and I'll cut them up and use the beads in another more creative way but yeah it's absolutely it's very rewarding to um, support yeah I must imagine that way yeah now what do you want your jewelry to mean to your customers? I want them to um, love it and ha have it be like their one of their favorite pieces, which tends, I often hear that, yeah, this is my favorite piece. I, I love it so much. It's so different. So yes, it has been very rewarding. I often notice, like if they're shopping for something, I notice what will go with their hair color, their eye color, because I believe in that old, um, model of like the color me beautiful because like I'm a winter with light skin and black hair so I look good in red and purple like the gemstone colors um, so I enjoy helping people pick out something that will kind of resonate with their own colors and that's really yeah. fun oh that's such a great interaction to have thank you <laughs> all right I think we pretty much hit all of my questions yeah why don't you tell us a little bit about about your book and why it's important to you. Okay, so um, during the pandemic, um, a friend of mine who is black, who is um, a former professor of social work, he and I were talking about how there's a need in the world for peace and for coping strategies. And we noticed that people are struggling with um, racial, um, challenges and we felt we could help by creating a book that is inspiring and offers um, a guiding light a path through so um, he's a photographer and he has a daily practice of posting on facebook a beautiful photo he took by the sea with an inspiring quote that he picked out so he and i worked together and we organized this and it's called Peace by the Sea, Inspiring Images and Quotes to Light Your Way. And it has 111 color photographs from the New England seaside. Um, 
which are organized around 12 principles for living your best life. So I am the editor of this book and I wrote many of the parts in the front and the back. I wrote a piece called What is the Magic of the Sea? And I wrote something called um, A Meditation for Peace. As a school psychologist, my interest is in brain-based learning and teaching kids coping skills. And in this process, I realized that um, I can teach adults coping skills too. So I put some of my most powerful coping strategies in this book and um, we're getting really wonderful feedback about it. Um, so it is our gift to the world. We put our hearts and souls into this um, and we're just starting to market it. So it's very exciting. That's wonderful. Yeah. So do you, do you see yourself engaging in more kind of literary pursuits in the future? Or do you think this was just a one-time project? I've always wanted to write a book. I imagined something that would um, be a contribution to my field. Uh, and what I believe in is working on the social climate in schools that we want children to feel safe welcome, understood, and accepted. And the things I enjoy doing most as a school psychologist are creating programs that promote exactly those things, like friendship clubs, um, welcome squads. I do oh. on different coping skills, and that's my passion. So someday I, I have lots of that stuff. It would be a matter of organizing it into a book, but in writing, the pieces I did for Peace by the Sea, I have a way with words. And I've since then started writing a little more poetry. Like I write, oh. I, have to, I have to write psychological evaluations and like behavior observations, but this is a different kind of writing. Yeah. So like metaphors and uplifting language and also understanding the, it's like a spiritual connection that peace is always within us. We have within us like to, here's my, favorite coping strategy, you listen to your breathing for say 15 seconds, and then you notice your heartbeat and you focus on that. And uh, this is so powerful in finding calm. Like there's this thing called transcendental meditation that was popular years ago and it, it involves focusing within on a word, but even better than a word, imagine focusing on your own heartbeat. Yeah. In doing this, I used this yesterday with two boys fourth grader and a fifth grader who were highly anxious, very upset. One of them said, I'm having a panic attack. I said, let's try this. And he said, thank you. I feel better now. So um, wonderful, <laughs> very, very rewarding. <laughs> so possibly future books will be on um, similar topics because yeah. the world needs peace. We need coping strategies like never before. Anxiety is through the roof. And um, I really believe that uh, I've stumbled upon something that works and what better way, like God's gift to us are our gifts and talents and I have many. So um, my, what I do with these is my gift to the world. And it's great to put that in writing because then it can be shared with more people. I've actually given my meditation for peace. I've actually given it to nursing homes and multiple copies because it can be uplifting for both the residents and the staff. Absolutely. So, yeah. so do you see an intersection between what you're trying to communicate through your writing and through your full-time job and the kind of beauty you strive for in your jewelry? 
Yes, I do. I recently did an activity called Find Your Why. And um, my why is to be a catalyst for positive change and to help people see their own strengths and use them in order to live their best life. So I am um, empowered to be a part of that for many people in different ways. And just as far as the jewelry, it just makes people happy. Yeah, of a course. small way to have beauty in the world. One of my strengths is just seeing the good in people, almost to a fault. <laughs> 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 um, but it's through our strengths that we overcome our weaknesses. And I would love to make um, access to social emotional learning skills more available. I personally believe that what we are missing in American education is adding social emotional skills to the basic curriculum that it's as important as reading writing and math and that if we can teach kids coping skills we're going to see far less things like bullying um picking up substances you know um domestic violence divorce even um, police brutality that if we all understand how to interact peacefully and that a solution makes the problem smaller not bigger there's a few um, key strategies that I would love to see incorporated into American education. So that's like, that's my big vision for the world. That's beautiful. Thank yeah. you. Of course. All right. Well, now that we've talked about your book and, and this beautiful vision you have, is there anything else you think is important to know? Um, I have so much gratitude for what Ohanga is doing. Oh. It's unbelievable that to have met you guys at this time. Thank so you. I'm honored and deeply grateful. Oh, well, we're very honored for you to have wanted to join our community. So we're very excited about where this partnership is going to take both of us. Yay. <laughs> <Thank you, Maggie. laughs> of course.